Good morning. We'll be in uh, Hebrews 11 this morning, starting in uh, chapter 1. So if you want to follow along. uh, I'll be reading out of the ESV, so it may be a little different. Uh, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their condemnation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for this opportunity that we have here this morning. Lord God, I thank you so much for all these people, for this church, this church body. Lord, I just thank you so much for Jackie and his heart to uh, teach and just to uh, be in your word. Lord God, I thank you for all that serve here, Lord. And I just ask that you open up our hearts this morning, Lord God. Uh, Open up our minds and our ears so that we can hear your word. I pray that your word will be etched in our minds today, Lord God, and that we leave here a different person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last time we were together, we did three verses. I don't see any reason to change that now. I really want us to be able to lay a hold of what's going on. Because, you know, as we've worked our way through the book of Hebrews, we've been dealing with a lot of doctrine. And Paul, Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, always does that. Starts doctrinal, and then turns to application. And we're in the application part. We're in the part where, what am I supposed to do with all this stuff we talked about? The the greatness, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. That He is... Uh, uh, the greatest treasure we can ever lay hold of. He's the only thing that we need. And if we have our anchor set in Him, no matter what storms life throws at us, we stay upright. We don't lose our feet. We don't lose our faith. Because we're anchored to Jesus Christ. And we're in that practical part. And as we come to this practical part and we want to really apply these things. You remember last time I said, well, what is Hebrews 11 here for? What's the point? Why is, it, why is he going to give us a, a list of heroes of the faith that we can look to as examples to follow? Why does he do that? And last time we talked about it in Hebrews 10.34, I told you, I think is the, is the reasoning behind the application of Hebrews. What are we supposed to do? How, when we apply Hebrews, what's that supposed to accomplish in our life? I hope it makes us look like the believers look in 1034. Because in 1034 it says, You had compassion on those in prison. Remember? You had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves have a better possession and an abiding one you see what they're saying in 1034 is you have jesus and he's better than our stuff you have jesus and he's he's better than all the things that we might place or pile up in front of him and if we're holding to that greater possession if we're understanding that he abides forever he he said i'll never leave you or forsake you he don't give up on us aren't you thankful yeah, because the reality is, um, I give up on me sometimes. I promise Kathy's felt like giving up on me once or twice. You guys ever try to live with somebody who's happy all the time? Okay, how many of you are happy all the time? None? You better put your hand up. Okay, I'll give you 90. 90% of the time happy? We got 90% happy people? Oh, there's a few. There's a few. So there's some like you. So my wife, it, doesn't, it just does not matter. 
And I think it's just a great example for us because really, that she's got an anchor that allows her to do that. She's got an anchor set. So stuff doesn't put her on her ear. And it reminds me when I let something, usually 90% of the time when something puts me on my ear, it's something dumb anyway. And I, and I let it up in me. Because of my anchor's not set, I'm not, my hooks aren't in, I'm not holding on to that treasure, recognizing, because when you do, this is what the Bible says, guys, so the, so the Bible don't lie to us, the Bible tells us the truth. It even tells the truth about the things we don't think are true, but it tells the truth. We may not like it, but it tells the truth all the time. When I look at it, it says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. When Jesus said, I come to give you life, and life how? Yeah, he didn't say grumpily. Right? He didn't say you'd be angry all the time, and you'd have these crazy highs and lows and all this. What did he say? Man, I came to give you life more abundantly. And if we're honest, most of us, if we look at our life, we're saying, yeah, that's not my experience. I'm not experiencing that. Well, there's another side to that equation. Jesus said, I come to give you life more abundantly. Remember what went before that verse? Right before that verse, he's talking about war. In this place, going to be tribulation, problems. Because really, until we get to Revelation 19, we're in enemy territory. And we're in a battle. Real spiritual battle 24-7, right? Always going on. Always happening. So there's a battle, and so we need to be armed up. And a lot of us are good with that part. We're good with the battle. We're good with putting, putting on our armor and, and picking up the sword, and we're ready to do battle. But we forgot the first part. The next part of that verse, Jesus said, I came to give you life. Irenaeus said this, that the glory of God is when man is fully alive. And you ever thought about what that looks like? A man fully alive. Completely, totally firing on all cylinders. Who is engaged to and anchored into his hope. Holding fast to our God and King, Jesus Christ. Holding fast to our Savior. And and when we do that, then we will experience what the Bible talks about. Joy inexpressible. Now this excuse we'll make for ourselves, I know because I make it for me. Oh uh, yeah, when I see Jesus, it'll be like that. But for now, you just get grumpy on me. But that's just an excuse to stay where I'm at. That's just an excuse not to... Not to go on, not to grow forward, not to say, you know, there's things in my life God wants to change. Do you know that Jesus loved me so much he took me just like I am? Aren't we thankful for that? I'm thankful that he took me just like I am. I'm also thankful that he said, I'm not going to leave you that way. I'll take you any way. Jesus said, I'll take you wherever you're at, whatever spot you're in. He don't ever leave us or forsake us. He's going to hold on. But he said, if I start something in you, I'm going to turn the screws till I finish it. Well, we don't always like that part, do we? The, the screws being turned is uncomfortable. But one of the things I think we have to learn, as we look at the hall of faith, I'm, hope, I'm hopeful that we're going to glean these things as we go through. But one of the things we've got to learn is, every man... Is your teacher. We start to forget that. I have learned things from children. Like from the lips of God through this child to my ears. That's for me. And as soon as we think, I can't hear from you. I can't hear from you. Then really the example we're following at that point is Balaam. And he's not in this list. You remember Balaam? God said, how many times? God said to him multiple times, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. Balaam kept asking. God, like my dad did for me, said, fine. Balaam was 
doing what the book of Hebrews warned us against. Remember the first warning in the book of Hebrews. Don't drift. Starts to drift. What's the next thing that our drifting affects? Our hearing. I'm becoming dull of hearing. Now I can't hear. I can't receive. I shared one time. Well, I don't know. I talk so much. I'm, who knows if I ever shared it. You guys probably heard my stories 50 times by now. So that's what Kathy says. That's how family is. We had two services on Wednesday night. Uh, back-to-back services in California at the church I was before I came here. And um, so I, I went out and I taught at the 4.30 and then I do a 7 o'clock. And at the 4.30 I finished the sermon and this fellow walks up to me and he says, Man, that was the worst sermon I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> now, here's the good news. I get to do it again in like 30 minutes. And what initially rises up in me is the desire to defend myself. But, hey, Jesus, one of the things he said is, uh, we've got to learn to die to ourselves. So if you're defending yourself, you're not dead. Dead people don't defend themselves. Right? You ever seen a dead person defend themselves? If they do, they're not what? Dead. Oh, there we go. So, so initially I want to defend myself, but I remember this faint voice. And you know sometimes when God speaks to us, uh, it's like a rushing wind, and sometimes like a mighty earthquake, but sometimes it's what? What did Elijah learn? Oh, still small voice, huh? Like that little whisper. That little whisper said, every man's your teacher. So I, have an, I have an opportunity right then, that second. So I made a choice. I even had, told one of my friends about it, and they're like, oh, don't listen to that guy. But don't give that kind of advice to people. Why would you tell them that? Because you're their friend? Love them enough to say, let's go to the Lord. So I go to the Lord. This is what he actually said. He said that sermon was not good. Your prayer is amazing. Your sermon, lame. Switch them. And I'm like, switch them? How in the world am I? So what, what do I do? I go to God. Hey, God. Man, forgive me for being all wrapped up about the wrong things. I want to speak your word. Every man's your teacher. First we drift, then we get dull of hearing. Now I can't receive from somebody. Somebody who loves you might tell you something you don't like to hear. And you go, oh, and you want to start a fight. You want to see the perfect place for that? Go to Facebook. You want to see it happen to you? Put an opinion on Facebook. Oh, yeah? What's the point of all that? Look, don't drift. Stay anchored to Christ. And one of the signs that you're drifting is you're not listening anymore when people talk to you. Look, if somebody gives you a different opinion than the one you shared, maybe they love you. Do you ever think about that? And they're thinking, maybe you haven't thought about this. That's okay. Nobody told you got to listen. But the examples of folks who weren't listening in the Bible are not here in Hebrews 11. Right? It's just a short thing. Lord, is this from you? Uh, open my heart to it. It's not from you? I'm going to keep going. We can do that, right? But the problem is, guys, the problem is there's no guarantee when we start walking with God or when we start following Him or we get involved in the church and the church is a faithful church and we're a faithful person that we're going to stay that way. Because we live in a world of entropy and everything decays. If we're not vigilant. If we don't stay vigilant, what used to be early morning devotions, reading our Bible, prayer with our wife, uh, looking for opportunities to share with our kids. All of a sudden you, you blink and you're like, where would all that go? What, what happened to it? Where, did it? where did it evaporate into? And we begin to realize that, well, that scientific law 
is happening in my spiritual life. And I'm losing my grip on Hebrews 10.34. I'm losing my joy. I'm losing my hearing. And after I lose my hearing, what's he say? I, 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 I am drifting. I lose my hearing. The next thing I'm going to do is to start this, to despise God. I'm going to tell you one of the other ways that comes out. You're going to start to despise his kids. Man, I hate him. I hate her. I hate them. What's it a sign of? I began to drift. And as I drifted, what happened? I can't hear from God anymore. And then what happens? My heart starts to turn. I despise God's law. What did God say? When David sinned against God, you remember what David said? Or what God said to David? He said, David, I, I would hate to hear these words. God said, David, why do you hate me? Do we just want to fly past that? We don't want to consider that. But God said to David through Nathan the prophet, Why do you despise me? Why do you hate me? But we're so quick to comfort ourselves and, and say, Well, it's okay. Just a little sin. It's just a little thing. It's just a little expression. It's just a little vice. It's just a little... But our heart starts to turn. Our heart starts to turn and things radically begin to change. Look, Hebrews 11 is here to give us heroes to look to. To say, I want to follow that example. Because it's good that you've begun the race. The beginning is important. But so is the finishing. And how do you want to finish your race? How do you want that race to look For you had compassion on those in prison. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves have a better possession. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The knowledge or this assurance is that better possession in 1034. You have the assurance of something better. What is that better thing? They had a abiding, a better possession possession and an abiding one it's the it's the substance of things hoped for it's the hope that we cling to so what we want to see in hebrews 11 is imitation leads to inheritance imitation you want to know how to finish well it's what i mean by inheritance inheritance crossing the finish line imitation Leads to inheritance. Leads to that crossing of the finish line. Well, Jackie, I'm not, I don't know if I'm tracking with you. Well, let's just pause for a second. Think of, of Hebrews 6.11. 6.11 and 12 says, And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope. How long? Until the end. So that you may not be sluggish. But what? Imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Imitate to inherit. Follow the example of the heroes of faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is laying out for us. But is it only those guys? Is it only people from the the olden days, the golden oldies that we can follow? Look, Hebrews 13.7 says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate what? Their faith. Their faith. Can you find bad examples in every leader? Yeah. You read the Bible, right? So, every single guy we're going to read about in Hebrews 11 has a chapter dealing with his failures. But what did he tell us to imitate? Their failures? Imitate what? Their faith. Look at you guys are catching on. If we imitate, we'll inherit. If we imitate them, if we follow those examples, not only will we start the race, we will 
finish. And we want to finish well, right? We want to cross that finish line in that sprint. We want to do our best. It ain't about... I use, I, I, I'm competitive. Are you guys competitive? I'm competitive. I can't... I can't... I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm going to crucify it with Christ. But it hasn't gone yet. So, like Dave and me on the freeway, riding bikes out to Boise. I don't want to follow him. And I promise you, he don't want to follow me. So what happens? A new land speed record between here and Boise. It's kind of fun, huh? No, not so fun. No. Kathy don't like it. She, Kay don't like it neither? I get Kathy's finger. So her, she's riding on the back of the bike and her hand will come over and she'll do this. <laughs> which, which means slow down on that, on that competition. But the point that he's making here is, is that we have need of endurance because we got to run hard. we got to run our race. Your race and my race were different. We're not all running the same track. Our life's not going to be the same length. We're not going to face the same obstacles. We all have an individual race to run. And the important part of our individual race is that you run your race to finish well. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. So that we'll finish well. Do we have heroes today? Did you love what the news does to heroes? It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. They, they, they cannot let you have a, a hero. I'm going to tell you, I got a hero. Tim Tebow. Yeah. Now, when he was winning national championships, he was the media's darling, wasn't he? I mean, they loved that guy. But as soon as he said, Jesus' name, the only thing in the news now is that he can't hit a ball in his tryout for the major leagues. That's it. They bring up his name in a newspaper. All it is is to drag him through the mud and tell him he's no good. He's no good. What a failure. What a loser. He, look, we told you this guy was, was no good. Look at him. He's, he can't make it in the NFL. He's not going to make it in Major League Baseball. But you can't get that guy to quit. And you put a mic in front of his mouth, and what's he going to say? I promise you Jesus is going to come out. How come they can't upend him? How come they can't put him on his ear? How come they can't get him to quit? Because his anchor's set in who? Jesus. And so when the wave comes, he don't move because Jesus is the rock, guys. If your anchor's set in this building, it's going to not do so good. If your anchor's set in me, that ain't so great neither. Your anchor has to be set. Your, your hook's got to be deep into Jesus Christ, holding fast to Him. That's what's going to enable us to, to, to walk. And what the writer of Hebrews is telling us in Hebrews 11 is you need heroes. So you better start finding out who they are. We did a song today by Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby's one of my heroes. And I was trying to think of how many songs she wrote and me and Jackie were, Jackie Lures were talking about it and and we're guessing in hundreds. Do you remember the number, Jackie? 9,000 hymns Fanny Crosby wrote. 9,000. And I promise you, some of the ones you've listened to on the radio and thought, man, I love this song, they were hers. We've got to have heroes, man. And you know, you guys ever read them hymn books about all the sad stories about hymns? Read about Fanny Crosby. That's a woman of faith. We need heroes. Why? Because we want to imitate their failures. What do we imitate? Their faith. We imitate their faith. We learn from them and we move on. In Hebrews 10.35 it says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence which has great reward, for you have need of <coughs> endurance. we got a race to run. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. 
So here's what we're doing. We're practical app, all right? We're in the practical app. We're looking at the heroes of faith. You're thinking, this is why Jack only did three verses. We haven't even started with the first one yet. Just, I got time. Just, just ride with me. You'll understand when we get there. But we're looking and we're thinking, okay, I want to, I want to imitate to inherit, right? I want to follow those examples. When we look at, at, at Hebrews 10, 35 to 36, we want to learn to endure, to do, and to receive. It's the same thing. Endure. You have need of endurance. It's always too soon to quit. When is it too soon to quit? Always. This is a test. You're not passing right now. It's always too soon to quit. So when is it? It's too soon to quit when? Always. Never, ever, ever give up. Winston Churchill had a famous speech, seven words. And all it was, was never give up. You're saying that's three words. I know, but he said never multiple times. Never, 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 never give up. That's the whole speech. What, what, what's the point of it? It's always too soon to quit. You have to endure. And then after, as you're enduring, you're holding on to the hope, your anchor set in Christ, right? Because that's the prize, guys. The prize is not something else. If it's something else, you're anchored to the wrong thing. We anchor to Christ and we are enduring. Why? Because life is hard. It's battlefield. Right? You know, sometimes you try to do the right thing and people hate you for it. You ever experience that? Yeah. It's battlefield, man. That's why Paul says, put on the armor of God. He didn't say, put on your khakis and flip-flops. Put on your armor. Put on your armor. And I tell people all the time, if I go out to do battle, I want the dude with the most dirty, gnarly, scraped up, dented armor I can find. Why? Because he's been in it. I was in the Marine Corps. I did not look for the guy who always was, had the perfect inspections. So when you're in the mud and the blood, you're not looking for the guy who's pretty with all the creases. You're looking for the guy who's gnarly, dirty, muddy. He's got it together. And what do you do? You imitate that. Why? You want to make it through the battle. We put on the armor of God. We're doing that. We're putting on armor of God. Is our armor perfect and shiny? Well, if it is, you ain't been in a fight. You put on the armor, you get out, you get knocked down. You're going to mess up. You're going to get a dent. You're going to do something wrong. You're going to get a big scrape. There's always things like that going on in life. But what do we got to do? Endure. Endure. We're enduring. What's the second part of it? We're doing. We're doing. Doing is not watching. Doing is doing. What did it say? Look at the verse. It says... For you have need of endurance, enduring, so that when you have done the will of God. Well, I, don't know, I don't know what God's will is. Jackie, tell me what God's will is for my life. Okay. I'll take a, a wild shot in the dark for you. If you're married, God's will for your life is to love your wife like Christ loved a church. Well, I did, how do you know that's God's will for me? Well, it says in the book. Don't got to get complicated. Jackie, I'm not married. What's God's will for my life? Go to every nation. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them the things I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always. Even until the end of the age. How do you know that's God's will? Where is it at? In a book. Read the book. It's not complicated. Just read it and do what it says. We have need of endurance so that when we have done the will of God, what's the last part? When we have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. What are we receiving? What are you anchored to? Man, there is nothing in this world that I want more than to stand before Jesus Christ and have Him say, well done. You know that's not guaranteed, right? 
That's not guaranteed. It's guaranteed you're going to stand before Jesus, and it's guaranteed you're going to have a, 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 a talk with him, and he's going to say something. You get one life. Jackie, I'm, I'm old. You're still, you're still here. You still got time. You say, oh, I, I haven't spent most of my life doing what I should have done, and, and now I don't know what to do. Just plug in. What are you talking about? There's all kind of opportunity. There's something happening every day. There's something happening every night. There's opportunity somewhere, someplace for you to plug in, get a part, be a part, share the gospel, talk to somebody about Jesus. There's always an opportunity to get in the game. You know, my favorite races to watch is a race where that dude falls and trips and stumbles and he's way back in the back of the pack. And then he just takes off. You guys like those races? I I love watching that guy just give it all. I don't even care if he wins. I watch a guy sell out like that. There's nothing like it. And at the end of that race, maybe people aren't talking about the winner. What are they talking about? Man, did you see that dude sprint? You think Jesus isn't like that? You think Jesus doesn't... You think that in us, that desire in us, doesn't come from something deeper? We want to endure, we want to do, and we want to receive. We want to imitate so that we can inherit. So that we can learn from the men of old. The men of old and what they've taught us. Look at verse 1 and 2, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. What's he saying? For by faith those people had that time before God and they heard the words you want. They heard it. So he's laying out for us this group of guys and he's saying, just follow them. They're going to show you the way. They got that moment. They had that. They had it. This is all about being sure. Being sure about God's promises. They're worth putting your hope in. They're the substance of things hoped for. It's being sure that the invisible God's hand and fingerprints are everywhere around me. Because he is. It's the evidence of things not seen. Because by it, these men we're going to look at, they heard the words you want to hear. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous... God commending. By the way, that's God's approval. You get it? Same word. We've seen, we see this word multiple times in this chapter. That's the approval of God. God commending him by accepting his gifts and through faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now, it takes a theologian to take this verse and mess it up. What do I mean? Man, there's endless talk about what made... Abel's sacrifice more excellent. We argue about the fact that it was a lamb, it was shed blood, it was... Yeah? Show me. What did it say it was? What did it say was the difference? It was faith. It was faith. His offering was offered by faith. So the writer of Hebrews saying, look, what he offered is less important than how he offered it. You hear it? It's no different in yours and mine life. How we offer ourselves to God is more important than what we offer. Is it offered by faith? Because by faith, it brings God's commendation, right? He's approved. He's approved by faith. Genesis chapter 4 verse 3 tells us the story. Let's look at it real quick. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. 
And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was angry. His face fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do will, will you not be accepted? What was the difference? You know, you know, in the sacrificial system, there's grain offering, right? You know, every offering is not blood. What he says is, if you do right. He didn't say, if you offer what Abel did. He said, Tau. You have to offer by faith. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is to rule over you, Cain. But you should rule over it. God speaking to Abel's brother saying, Don't kill your brother. He's drifting. It's affecting his hearing. He's doubting. He hates his brother. And now his brother's gone. The writer of Hebrews says, though he's dead, he still speaks. What about verse 5? It says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he did not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was, what's the word? Commended, same word, right? He's approved by God. He's approved by God, the same word, as having pleased Him. Well done. That thing we want to hear. So we look in Genesis chapter 5. We read this story. It's just a few short verses. Genesis 5, 21 to 24. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. The next phrase. And Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. The first thing that gets you to walk with Jesus is having a kid. Man, have a kid and it's like, oh, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to mess this up. So after he fathered Methuselah, 300 years, he had other sons and daughters. All the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Just one day, Enoch's walking with God and then he's not there no more. Enoch didn't die. God just took him to heaven. He was not. When we look at these sections, we look at these stories, and we see the key in Hebrews says that it's by their faith, right? It's by their faith that they please God. But when we look at the text that tell us what happened, that word faith doesn't come up at all. Do you notice that? So, so how do they get this idea? How do, we, how do we tie in this idea that it's by faith if, if faith isn't mentioned? Look, he's not arguing for faith from the Old Testament text. He's not saying because faith is in these stories, he's reasoning to it. Look, it's important that you understand this. The Bible doesn't just make assertions and expect you to believe them. The Bible also reasons. If this, then that. Do you understand? The Bible reasons. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is doing. He's He's reasoning. What's he reasoning? What do we know in both of those Old Testament sections? We know that God was pleased with Abel. And we know that God was pleased with Enoch. Right? That much we know. We understand that. When we look at verse 6, it says, For without faith it is impossible to please Him. It's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe He exists and that He is a rewarder or that He rewards those who seek Him. Without faith, it is impossible. Or, only with faith is our obedience pleasing to God. Only with faith is our obedience pleasing to God. So Enoch pleased God. What's the conclusion? Enoch had faith. It was by faith Enoch walked with God and was taken up to heaven. So this is how Hebrews is getting to this conclusion, that it's by faith the men of old gained approval. Because we're going to look at them all, and we're going to see the reality of the fact that they were God was pleased. God was pleased with them. So then we, we say, well, okay, Jackie, I'm tracking with you there, but, 
But he just made an assertion. He just made an assertion that faith pleases God. How do we know that? How, how do we know that faith pleases God? Where does that come from? From a nature of faith and the nature of God. Hopefully we can see that as we look at it. What's the foundation? Look, there's two parts of faith in this verse. You see them? Two parts of faith in this verse. Why it is pleasing to God. Faith believes that God is. Faith believes that God is. And He is abundant. There's so much in God and the nature of God that it overflows. What do I mean? He is rewarding. He is a rewarder. Yes. It's because He is rewarding. Because He is rewarding. From His nature, we see these things pouring out, coming through. So faith believes God is. Faith believes God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Because faith is these two things. It pleases God. You believe He is. And He is the rewarder. He is real. And He is the rewarder. God exists absolutely. There's, <coughs> if, if you took my, I scared so many people away now. I do a, a school of ministry class on Thursday and, and I used too many crazy words and I scared people. So now me and Ezra and Bill and Jason and Levi and Daniel sit in a circle. And I try to use little words now and not be so scary. So you guys can come. Don't be afraid. Was it scary? Lori wasn't scared. Danja came, right? Yeah? Well, did I scare you? Was it too complicated? You're going to say it's too complicated? Oh, okay. Anyways, we're doing, uh, can we trust the Bible? So we're working our way through the Bible and talking about the Bible. And, and as we do that, as we plug these things together, I, I just reminded that, that, that it's important that we, that we grow, right? Remember, what's the first warning of Hebrews? Don't drift. When do you get to stop learning? Never. When do you get to quit? Same time you get to stop learning. We got that covered, right? No quitting, no stopping learning. We got to challenge ourselves, challenge our minds. Want to know God, right? We want to know Him. So, God exists absolutely. He did not come into being. He will never go out of being. All the time, oftentimes, I get asked by kids, Okay, who made God? Nobody. God is. What do you mean God is? God is called the aseity of God. He is holy other. What does that mean? He's not like us. We have a beginning and an end. God doesn't. No beginning, no end. He is holy other. Another word for it, transcendent. God is transcendent. He's holy other, the aseity of God. He is not becoming or growing or changing. He said, I am that I am. What is that like in, in English? Jesus used the same words in John uh, seven times. He makes I am statements. The ego I me, which is basically saying, God is saying, I am. When someone comes to God, he must believe he is. I am. Not I was. Not I will be. I always am. The eternal now. The transcendence and the satiety of God. That's his name, actually. Yahweh. I am. I am. So he is pleased... When his absolute existence is known and embraced, it pleases him when we say he is. 
And he is rewarding. Behind the assertion that God is rewarding is the fact that God is so full, so completely self-sufficient that he overflows. That God's not lacking something that we somehow give him to make him complete. He's complete already. He's complete already. He overflows, in fact. Rather than needing our service, he's the never-ending spring of life. I came to give you life and life how? More abundantly. The only way he can make that claim is if he has a never-ending spring. Never-ending abundance. Pouring out from God. The energy, the joy, the beauty, the goodness, the power. So therefore it pleases God when we come to him in a way that affirms and delights in the idea that he's the rewarder. He is, and he's the rewarder. That's what faith looks like. It believes that he is. And he's a rewarder. And it holds to it with an assurance. And a conviction. It won't be turned. Won't be swayed. Won't be upended. Because he has become our great treasure. So we could say it like this. What, what pleases God is that our hearts and minds display God's being and God's beauty. He is, and He is the rewarder. Or that we display God's existence and His excellence. Or how real and rewarding He is. This is what pleases God. This is what faith is. It's the nature of of faith. It's the nature of God and it pleases him. And faith depends upon the object. It's the object of faith makes all the difference. There's another way to say that. It's not about me. It's about him. But I think, I think Irenaeus stumbled on this incredible idea that the thing that brings God the most glory is a man fully alive. But when is a man fully alive? When God is his treasure. When his faith is fully resting on him. So I want you to kind of... This is like the end of the double introduction. Okay, maybe not. But I really want us to, to grasp it. So I want you to see verse 1 and verse 6 together. And hopefully it helps all of this shed light. Verse 1 and verse 6. It, <coughs> I, I wish there was a way I could put both of them on the slide at the same time. But I'm dumb. I couldn't do it. But... Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.6, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe He exists, and He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. He is the conviction, faith is the conviction of things not seen. God is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You see how they fit? It's like Legos, man, when you see the pieces go together. It's like, oh my gosh, this is what He's talking about. This is, this is what He's been expressing. Faith has at least these two components. One is a conviction that there's a great unseen God who exists absolutely. He doesn't need me. But he loves me anyway. I'm a broken mess. But he loves me anyway. There's a great song, almost did it, but I didn't. That says he takes our brokenness aside. And he loves me anyway. 
And he looks at me and he says, Mom, Jackie, you've started and quit 10,000 things. But if you start me, I promise I'll finish you. So I come to God with faith. I believe he is. And he's all the reward I need. I just want him. So I want to live out my days. Holding fast that promise of God. The other part of faith is that idea, the assurance that this great unseen God is a God of love and bounty and grace for all who seek Him. The rewarder. So, the nature of faith isn't rooted in me. Where is it rooted? In God. The object of faith is not me. What's the object of faith? God. The object of faith is not the pew, the chair, the car, the bike, the anything else. The object of faith is God. Period. If it's not God, your faith is misplaced and it does not save. The object of faith is God. Jesus, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, so if you would have your faith be strong, and your soul be strong, and your family be strong, and your school be strong, if you would have your life not drift, become dull, doubting, and despising, then we need Hebrews 11. Because it lays out, out for us these examples. It says, look, know your God. Know your God. Where do I learn about Him? Right here in the Word. It's right here. The more you know what God is like, the more conformed to His greatness you will be. The more you know what God is like, the more like Him you will be. The more you know what God is like, the more like Him you will be. Let me tell you what's wrong with our world today. Oh, I don't have time to get on my soapbox. (laughs) There is a lack of discernment in the world among believers. Lack of discernment. Now I'm going to make half of you mad and the other half matter. So... So, hopefully, your love is not conditional. There's been a lot of talk lately about two things popping up a lot. I'm not going to say very much about them, but one is Walt Disney and the other is The Shack. Oh, no, he's not going to go there. (laughs) Look, guys, Walt Disney is of this world. It was never... Something you should use to raise your kids. It was never something to teach your kids good morals. What, how we teach our kids good morals is through the Word of God, not Walt Disney. So when Walt Disney falls a little further off the abyss, look, they hated me a long time ago. Were you not paying attention? So when the world acts like the world, to be honest, I don't get all ruffled up. Neither did the disciples. He said, in the world, that's how they act. How's the brothers acting? How's the church acting? So we have an overabundance of (coughs) discernment and reaction toward a worldly company, Disney, and probably an under-abundance of reaction toward the other side. Look, I, you want to see a movie? Go see a movie. I could care less what movies you see. Go see what you want. Be discerning. What do I mean? 
We need to hold fast to the word if you're not going to drift. If you're not going to become dull. And look, just so you know, I read it. I'm not talking from the somewhere else. I'm talking from what I done. Not from what somebody said, not from a magazine. Me, I read it. I read it, whatever, when did it come out? Like 20 years ago? It's a long time ago. It's a long time. I don't know, maybe not that long. We need to be discerning. So, I, I just want you to, it matters. What's the difference between those two? Disney's of the world. Shaq says it's from my brother. That's the difference. Why do, you, why do I care one way or not? I told you, go see it. Knock yourself out. You'll cry. Great story. Incredible story. Horrible theology. Horrible. And the, the, the author who penned it is a, is a universalist. So that's the point of view it comes from. It's not shocking that it's in the story. But I just would say, look, my, my point in all that, you've got to know your God. Don't know the God of the shack. Know God. Don't know the God of Disney. Know God. Know the real God. And he's not in the movies. I don't care what cotton-picking Christian group puts a movie together. I promise there's something wrong with it. That's not how you... You don't know God by watching a movie. You know God by spending time in His Word. You know God by spending time in prayer. You know God by coming before Him in worship. You know God because you seek after God. Because you believe He is. And He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. So go after Him. Stop fighting with each other. Don't be mean. Be nice. I get too much mean in... When I'm saying be nice, be nice. Man, be nice. Look, you can agree with me, or you can disagree with me, and it will not change at all the fact that I love you enough to say something. I love you enough to care. And I'll love you whether you love me or not. I spend too much time in my life hating. I'm done. I don't got no energy for hate. To be honest, I don't really have any more energy for fighting. I just want to I just want to love. But I in order to love, I got to do it in truth. Is that okay? And where where am I going to find the truth? The word of God. Word of God, it's truth. That's where I'm going to know God. That's where you need to know Him. That's where you need to know Him. And I'm already over, so I'll stop. See, we we did more than three verses, but it doesn't really count because it wasn't in a row. <laughs> but I, but I hope you guys. I, I hope you guys. If nothing else, just hear my heart. Hear my heart. Here's. This is what I want to leave you with. This is how I want you to come to God today. This is a conversation I want you to have with God. Not fighting over our opinions or everything else. This this conversation is taken out of the book of Ruth. And it's not between a person speaking to God. But it is a person speaking to God. If you don't know what I mean, study it. Here's what Ruth said. Entreat me not to leave you or turn back from you or stop following after you. For where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. Your people are my people. Your gods, my God.
And where you die, I'll die. And there I will be buried. Needs to be our heart to God. That needs to be our cry to God. So we stop drifting. So we stop being dull of hearing so we can't hear what God's saying. Look, there's a word for Calvary Chapel Buell. It's a word we need. It's a healing we need. Us. Here. All of us. Nobody's exempt. We need it. We still got mountains to climb, don't we? Or are we done? We still got places to go. We still got things to do. So tell God that. Because that, that's faith. That He is. And He's rewarding. Amen? Just stand with me, let's pray. Father God, we just uh, we want to thank you that we can be before you. We want to thank you for your word, and I pray, God, I pray, I pray that we would uh, that we would just let your word rule. That we say, man, it's. Uh, just time we do what you say because we are men and women of the book That's how they used to call believers. We pray we would come back. That's our rule of faith. I don't have to see things the same as everyone else. I just have to say that this book rules. If it says I love... that's what I do if it says I obey that's what I do if it says come unto me that's what I do if it says go that's what I do for the kingdom of God is upside down kingdom of this world is upside down the kingdom of God is right side up but we have it backwards because if you want to be great in the kingdom of God you have to be a servant of all if you want to be great in the kingdom of God you have to be least if you want to be great in the kingdom of God if you want to find your life you got to die to your way. And say to God. I will follow you. So God in this place. Pour out your spirit. Drive out. Anything that separates and unite us. We just want to honor you.
We pray that you would, like a rushing wind, blow through your temple. Drive out the dust. Get us on track. Wake us up. For the hours of far spent, help us redeem the time we have and bring you glory by being men and women fully alive. In Jesus' name, amen.